Good to have you all here. If you're catching us in person, online, both are uh, just an exciting opportunity for us. We're glad that you've trusted us to proclaim the word of God this morning, to speak to you and to draw you in as we um, continue a uh, series that we've been walking through for the last few weeks. Um, I have a couple of little mentions that I wanted to give as we do from time to time. First is just thanks for a pastor appreciation month. <laughs> that was, there was times where I'm like, that had to be the crescendo, the end. And then it was like, oh, there's another week. Oh, there's another week. So just um, many thanks uh, from us, from the, the pastors. I know we've all been thinking about it and talking about it, but uh, you know, just to get those notes of encouragement was particularly impactful to me um, at the end of the day when we went home and kind of read through those. So thanks to those who gave gifts. Thanks for the words of kindness. Um, I can't tell you how much it means to us. I think sometimes you don't even realize how much you need it until it's there. And you're like, wow, this is so refreshing. Um, so again, thank you for that. I did want to do another extension of our invite. You know that we have hosted a Reconcile conference for many years and then COVID shut it down. And now we're kind of tiptoeing in with the mini conference because we're not doing an all day long um, uh, conference this round. So this Saturday, we're hosting it again here on site. We've got some guest speakers coming in, some breakout sessions so we can have discussion around those things. If you can make that, please, please do everything you can to be there. Um, and our hope is that we will continue to grow this back into what it was and even beyond here over the next couple of years. Um, but please sign up. I think the Jody mentioned that the children's minister or children's uh, stuff uh, is uh, the registration for that ends today. So if you're trying to get childcare, uh, make sure that you jump on for that as well. Um, and then uh, I just wanted to do a quick recognition. Some of you knew that behind the scenes, you know at the beginning when we advertised get into our discipleship program, um, and we have been going through that with a class of people, over 20 people here at Common Ground Northeast graduated from our discipleship course last night, and we did our celebration. So if you were a part of that, I know not all of you are going to be here, but if you were a part of that, even as a leader, would you just stand up really quick? Yeah, thank you. A few people here. Amen. You can have a seat. I won't embarrass you too long, but just want to be um, excited. One whole house church went through it and then a few other people um, that joined in. And so we'll be looking to try to help them get connected to whatever it is that God has next, whether that's in some of the ministries or in a house church here at Common Ground Northeast. Um, exciting to be there and exciting to celebrate them as we did last night um, with, a, with a, a fun time together, uh, a meal. We always get Maggiano's. We'll, we'll probably switch that up eventually, but it's so good. How do you walk away from Maggiano's? Um, anyways, so, um, and then the last thing is we want to do a quick little mention. Um, last week, unfortunately, while we were celebrating and doing the pastor appreciation stuff, we w went outside and realized that we had a couple of break-ins. Um, just so you know, Speak Indy has had to endure a break-in as well. Actually, I think it was you, Shelby, huh? It was your house, or your car, so, so sorry about that. Um, and then during VBS, we had a similar situation, and then last week, we had two cars um, and unfortunately, there was a bag with some, uh, you know, computer iPads uh, that was stolen from. So here's two things, just a mention of that. We have been kicking around the idea of bringing in a safety team, and so it's just kind of put that into a little bit of a forward motion for us. We want to encourage you, please don't leave valuables in your car. We think what's going on is they're looking in cars and kind of seeing, oh, there might be something in that bag or whatever it is. If it looks valuable, then they break in and um, they break the window and get in. Um, but we also are blessed um, this week. Someone from the healing uh, place uh, has jumped in uh, to help us start forming our plan of what we want to do for safety around here. And so you'll see David around here um, looking around. Uh, say hi to him. Uh, we're excited that he's here. And um, just pray for us as we're doing it. And uh, please don't leave valuables in your cars uh, to help deter that as well. Um, 
Let me stop and pray. It's like a lot, uh, and then transitioning into a sermon is kind of goofy from there, but I just want to stop and kind of bring those things before God right now in this moment. So Lord, thank you for those who have appreciated the pastors. I know that it was felt so powerfully. God, thank you for speaking into us. God, thank you for the ongoing ministry of reconciliation, justice issues that we have felt has been a part of the the DNA of who we are and the values at Common Ground Northeast. Help us um, not only to grow in and of ourselves, but to be proclaimers of justice and reconciliation work in America today. And God, we just thank you for those who have graduated, Lord, um, inside of this as they've taken a step and, and move forward in one chapter and entering into the next one. God, just bless them as they step into what's next. And then, Lord, as we um, juggle what it means to have a safety team here, just help us to think of all the variables to create something um, that is protective, but also helpful to those who might have needs um, that have caused them to resort to uh, something like breaking into a car, Lord. Uh, maybe we can meet those needs um, before it comes to that. So God, help us to become a part of the solution in this. We ask for all of these things very powerfully in the name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen, amen. All right, well, there's a couple of things that God um, has just brought to my attention today as we move in this series. Um, We've been tracking through this idea of what it means to belong in general in society, and then as a result of that, what does it mean for a church like ours to feel like those who come have a sense of belonging, and that we offer opportunities of Uh, the ability to feel like you belong here. And so we talked about the disciplines that somebody might want to develop, like um, gathering together regularly on Sunday morning so that you have that regular weekly connection, growing together in your maturity in Christ, uh, giving together of your time, talent, and treasure, and then going on behalf and representing us out there um, as you go throughout your your days and your your weeks. Um, And then we did it kind of in reverse order, back into it, because we want to go a little deeper into each one of those subjects. And today we're coming back to growth one more time. And that's what I'm going to speak to you about today. I want to start off with this quick story. I was meeting um, in, in the last position I held. I was the adults pastor by the end of my time there um, and uh, kind of like the associate pastor. And so I, I headed up all of the adult um, c- uh, education inside of that context from um, college all the way to uh, our seniors ministry. And so um, one, at one point I was trying to make these two worlds come together with a discipleship relationship by asking, there was a, a gentleman who had come up to me and he was always really excited. He's a, a gentleman who had, um, had retired from his uh, you know, work life and um, came to Phoenix at that time to be able to take advantage of the weather and in the midst of that, he was like talking to me. We, we just get to breakfast together and he's telling me how excited he is. He's been working on his golf swing every day from 9 to 11, improving his score, making sure that everything is working right, all the mechanics, all the basics. And he was really excited um, that he was making progress on this. But the reason that I was meeting with this guy after we got past this because I wanted to ask him if, uh, you know, he would come and be like, man, I love your sermons. They're really challenging. They're awesome. We're so thankful for the lessons and how much we are learning from this church and from your sermons. He was just kind of appreciating me as the, like the younger guy who was coming up underneath some of the other leaders there. And I'm like, oh, great. I want this kind of energy in my college ministry. So I go to him and I say, hey, will you meet with one of my college students on a weekly basis? I have a format for you. I'll teach you everything you need to do. I just want your wisdom and your energy pouring into some of these younger people. And he stops. He's like, ah, oh, you know, man, I, geez, thanks, but I, I just don't know if I have time for that. And I'm like, well, hold up. <laughs> I mean, like, think of, of all of that stuff. After I presented him, he, time, and it's like he looked at me and realized immediately what had happened. If you didn't catch it, one of the most obvious ironies in there is that he had a lot of time on his hands. Every morning from 9 to 11, he's been working on his golf game. 
And he's looking at me and he's like, ah, you know, but it wasn't a priority. Discipleship wasn't the priority to him in that. Now, here, here's something I want to stop and say. Did I just tell you golf is the evil, it's the devil? No. Sports are fine. Things like that are fine. Recreation is fine. That's not what I'm talking about. Do you realize how much time he was committing to it? How he was choosing to spend the time that he had and then he realized, well, I don't have any time for something like that. His spiritual journey had plateaued. And he either knew it and didn't care or he just didn't realize it had happened. It wasn't um, long before, you know, we start having this conversation. Well, let me close that up. He actually never did end up helping me in the um, college ministry, but he did say, I'm going to pray about that and I'll come back to you and we'll, we'll have some conversations um, in there. Now, now, the second thing is not just the irony of the time exchange, but his spiritual journey uh, that had plateaued, it wasn't because he didn't know how to grow, because embedded in that introduction story, as we were having our conversation, he knew how to generate growth. He knew how to make sure that his golf game was growing. He knew how to increase his abilities. He had a, 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 a swing coach helping him with every tiny little minute detail of the things that he was doing. He was measured. He knew exactly what he needed to do, driven by the disappointment that his last game didn't have, I don't know, par, I'm not a golf person, like whatever par thing needs to happen to count that you've gotten better from last week to this week, all right? So that's, that's my extent of, of golf knowledge. My point is this, he knew how to maximize it. He knew exactly how to grow, but it just wasn't being applied to his spiritual life. And so he knew how to grow, and it wasn't being applied here in this situation. And my question just surfaced that in his life. And he caught it. Like, he knew what was going on. He, he, he figured out what was going on. There was a lack of fruit in his life, um, or maybe even a lack of desire to produce fruit, as the Bible would, um, would give us the definition for so this is what I want us as, as who we are in this room together. In the most basic ways, if we ask ourselves, we're real honest, we all know how to grow things. We do it in other areas, right? We spend great efforts to become good in our careers. We'll take risks on behalf of our careers to increase that. We might go through education, informal skills training. We might hire personal trainers to make sure that they keep us on track and challenge us to go further than we would take ourselves. And it requires a lot of commitment to grow in anything that you want to get good at. And so the idea of, of, of do we know what we're doing in this is, is pretty clear. We know how to grow if we really wanted to. And uh, what I want us to see, too, is that it's embedded into the creation of things around us. So if you look at the human body, the evidence is seen that we get bigger and we have growing pains and uh, our brains develop. We have this capacity that's different. We even lose baby teeth and then grow big adult teeth, right? All of these things, a, a shedding of the old and an emergence of the new. Um, I've said this before, but I think it's a powerful, powerful metaphor that the Jewish people see in creation that the trees, they have this saying that is just simply this, thank God for the trees. I want you to say that with me real quick, all right? Thank God for the trees. Why do they ask that, or why do they say that statement? It's because of this. If the Torah or the scriptures were taken away from us, we would know exactly how it is that we are to live because we see it in the life cycle of trees. How do trees grow? They're a seedling that's planted through a seed. It grows into a stem, then it turns into a sapling, and then it's full grown. But then what does it do? It produces fruit, and it reproduces, all right? 
So that to them is a powerful statement that when they see trees, there's even like an equivalent to an earth day where they thank God for the trees in a ritual kind of sense because it is the proclamation of what God has called his people to be on this earth. So growth is assumed in life. Uh, growth, Growth is assumed in the life of your spiritual walk. It shouldn't become stagnant. It shouldn't plateau. And so today what we want to talk about is what does it take to kind of move in that direction? Talk about some of the barriers I think that are most um, obvious in front of us. But first I want us to go to the scriptures really quick. And I want to invite you to open up your Bible to 1 Corinthians 3, starting verse 1 and 2. We're going to stay there for a short stint and then we're going to jump over to Colossians 1. But if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. Uh, oh, we have four. Great. I am going to end up reading four, I believe, here. I wasn't sure which ones I sent in if I was wrong. They will be up on the screen for you for the most part. I got a couple that I'm going to read outside of it. But 1 Corinthians 3, 1, um, and 1 through 3, I think is where I'm going to stop. All right. So brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. Mere infants in Christ, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Pause. I'm going to come back to the rest of that verse in a little bit. For, for today's purposes, there's a lot you could teach out of this, but for today's purposes, what I want you to see is there is an assumption of growth. Paul assumes that those he has discipled are going to continue growing. There's also this sense that there is a, uh, a, a kind of a phase that he's borrowing from the natural order in which a human being grows. One is called infancy, and then he talks about maturing adults, and um, we can think of that as a really great metaphor in life for our spiritual growth, and we'll come back to that as well. So there's this way in which though he addresses them based off of this assumption that each person has a nourishment style or uh, uh, what I say a a, a nourishment material that is appropriate for their capability of digesting it just like a baby needs milk and just like once you get older you need solid food and then you get into um, other I'm trying not to say meteor for my vegan friends out there but you get what I'm saying more substance It's harder to chew, and you're not capable of doing that. And he is not just telling them that that exists and that that's real. Here, Paul is held back from saying, I can't get to those meatier things because you just weren't ready to receive them. Instead, I gave you milk, which is what an infant receives. But I want you to notice he does one more thing. He even brings their attention to this. I did that. I'm telling you that that's what I've done as I've interacted with you. He is discerning their maturity and nourishment, letting them know about it, and that it's not just something I did do, but something I am currently doing right now based off of your maturity level. This is what it says. Indeed, you are still not ready. Verse 3 goes on. It says, you are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? Now, as a parent, I've done this before. Like if, if, if our kid comes to me and says like, hey, will you help me put my clothes on? It's like, no, not, not at this age. No, you're not a baby. I don't do that anymore. There are certain things. It's like, no, now you're at this age. You don't need these things that you needed my help. You're on your own for some of these things. So I, I'm not going to uh, do this thing for you. But then there's other things that I will do. Or there's an appropriate age where, look, I need to help you tie your shoes. But as we move out of that, no, you tie your shoes. You're capable of doing those things, right? Not, not out of uh, some kind of guilt trip, but just an appropriate level for their age group and saying, no, we're not going back to the baby stage. You're past that stage inside of your life. So stop acting. And the word he uses, I love this, don't act like a mere human. 
as in a human who doesn't have the Holy Spirit in them. That's what he means by that. You are infused within you the Holy Spirit as a follower of Jesus. And so he's saying, look, I'm not going to treat you like a mere human. You're a human with the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to teach you now. I'm going to move you into at least a stage or phase of life where I can trust you with the nourishment that a Holy Spirit-infused human being should be able to handle. So stop just acting like a mere human. Stop acting like a mature, but start acting like a, a mature person who has the Holy Spirit infused within them. Now, this is the seed. This is stemming, right? We're still at that low level. The seed is planted. It begins to sprout. Maybe we've got some leaves, but if we go back to that tree analogy, what we need eventually is a sapling that leads to fruit bearing, right? So to get there, I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 1, and we'll talk about 9 through 14. In fact, actually, I think I'm going to end up reading 1 through 14. Sorry about that. Um, Carter did a good job doing our slides. I just decided to add this this morning, this, this first part. So flip over to Colossians, and let me read it to you. Um, So it says this, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and the love that spring up from the hope stored for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel So as a seed that's been planted, it is now springing forth. You see the language that's playing out inside of there. He's continuing this metaphor here. Then it goes on and says this. In the same way the gospel is bearing fruit or growing throughout the whole world. So individual growth eventually results in communal growth and spreading. All right, that's a natural process that's going on here. It continues, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Verse seven, in case you're lost, I went back a little bit. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is, faithful, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the spirit. So catch now that we have a generational spreading. Somebody has passed this on to Epaphras and Epaphras is now going to pour into others so that there's this generational, and you could think of that as like next generation into the youth, but you could also think of just generations of the gospel that somebody you disciple then disciples someone else that then disciples someone else, all right? Verse nine, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We have continually asked God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. That's important. So that you may have a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. And here's, think of this like kind of a little list. So that you do what? You're bearing fruit in every good work. The second thing, growing in the knowledge of God. Verse 11 goes on, being strengthened with all the power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father. So there's all kinds of descriptions there. These are all things that we should be trying to accomplish in our walk, signs, steps, milestones, whatever word you want to use it, a point where you recognize I'm getting better at that and that is the maturity of God working itself out in my life or in the life of a group. Lots of descriptions, right? You can add into that joy and thankfulness, patience, learning good works. And if you were part of VBS, the fruit of the, uh, of the Lord is not a coconut, right? It's not a banana. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Think about all of the opportunities we have to measure ourselves and think, how am I doing with that love thing? How am I doing with that joy thing? 
How am I doing with my endurance when hardship comes? How is my patience uh, doing? And I got one kid that tests my patience every day of my life. And he takes in everything around him. He loves looking around at everything. And I'm always like, come on, man. Why didn't you remember your shoes? How did you get in the car without getting your shoes? We got to go back in, stop the car, and go get the shoes. And there's this moment where I'm like, okay, patience, patience, trying to develop this thing, all right? With all of these virtues in mind, there's two things that I really want to surface to you this morning. And that's um, kind of the bulk of what we'll teach on here today. It's these two things, primary things of the believer's growth, connection to the Holy Spirit, who is the lifeline of spiritual nourishment coming in, and reproduction, which is outward discipleship, the life of a believer flowing out. So there's a part that is energizing and coming into you. There's a part that is flowing out of you and going in the opposite direction, all right? So the first one is connection. Verse 9, I want to remind you, said, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. So this connection to the Holy Spirit is a lifeline. It's, it's blood flow coming in. It's um, an energizing factor that is informing you. It's creating an understanding, as the verse said, of wisdom inside of you. There's this uh, idea where its natural results are these um, spiritual virtues that eventually emerge inside of us. And so you want to be connected to the Holy Spirit and inside of that, I want you to remember that you're taking on the mind of Christ as it transforms. There are ways in which you thought that were not in alignment with the scriptures and that they become in alignment with the scriptures. Sometimes through intentionality, sometimes I think just through the transformative process that God takes us through. And so I want you to think about as you take in that idea, the mind of Christ and it's transforming, we want to be reading scripture. We want to be consuming God's word to an extent that it's washing over us and reminding us, oh, that's in alignment with God and that's not in alignment with the kingdom of heaven. Well, that's, oh, great job. You did well. To, oh, that's not something you should be working towards. And so you're letting the Bible inform you in a way that is not just academic or cognitive. And we talk about this all the time. Uh, I use this example. That if we're going out um, to eat and someone comes around and says, okay, what would your wife like for dessert? And they put a giant piece of chocolate cake in front of me. I look at them and I'm like, I love chocolate cake, not my wife. Why do I know that? Because we've been out to eat and I know that she loves cherry pie. So I've been around her enough, we've interacted enough that she can be gone and when this waiter comes around, I can say, no, 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 it's, it's cherry pie for her. All right? So as you take in scripture and you encounter a situation, do you know enough of God's personality that as you're doing it, you're like, oh, I kind of know how God would want me to respond in this situation because I've interacted. I have relationally engaged with God to the extent that I just know that's what he would want me to do and that is not what God would want me to do. So read it in this relational kind of sense where you have a way of taking this in, discovering the way God moves, the way God makes decisions, and then applying that in real time in your lives today. The other part of that that I really want to point to, I, I found this term this week uh, from a musician, uh, put out an album called Baptized Imagination, and is a worship uh, uh, artist. And I love the idea of that as something I've kind of been dwelling on in my own life that, that really this captured this idea where the Holy Spirit brings to mind verses and words of knowledge and memories at the right time so that it accomplishes something. And I can only trust my mind because it has been baptized 
through the Holy Spirit. Now you catch what I'm saying there. I'm not necessarily meaning physical baptism, although you should be moving in that direction. But, but, what, I'm, but what I'm saying here is that you have a, an imagination that is now being indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And so you can trust that maybe that image or picture is something that God's supposed to have you speak to someone. And so I'll come to you all at times when I believe that that's true. Causes you to notice others that you didn't notice before and think, I'm praying for that person. Someone came to mind to me this morning that attended our church for a very short while while they were trying to figure it out and they decided that they weren't gonna end up staying here, but I had met with them a couple times. Um, they've now since moved out to go do some homesteading. <laughs> and for whatever reason, as I was reminded about the farmer analogy from our last sermon, I just thought of them because they're farmers. And I thought to myself, that's the Holy Spirit bringing them to mind. I'm gonna text them. They haven't heard from me in months. There's no reason for me to text them. I just think God wants me to text them and say, how are you doing? How can I be praying for you? All right? So that's kind of an example of what I mean when that takes place. We could spend a lot of time there, but I need to go to this last part and then we'll, we'll uh, finish up for the day. And I'll draw a picture for us just as a, a way of remembering um, this last principle. All healthy trees reproduce themselves. Thank God for the trees is what they say. Seed-bearing fruits that grow more and more trees, which become stems, which become saplings, which bear fruit with more seed-bearing plants or some more, more seed-bearing fruits, right? This is an ongoing process that causes orchards to emerge where they didn't exist before. So there's phases and seasons of growth that we can think of ourselves in. So I want you to stop now. I'm going to really press this as we end. Think right now, what phase might you be in? In your process with Christ, are you a seed? Are you a sapling? Are you uh, somewhere in between? Are you a fully fruit-bearing tree for the sake of the kingdom? Now this is used in psychology. This is used in education. This is used in businesses as we describe growth processes. Stages, if you're in the psychology world, stages of human growth. If you're in education, it's called the gradual release model. If you're in business, there's four stages in the life cycle of like a, a, a new business, all right? So here's, here's what I'm gonna do, and I'll explain it if the, the lines are a little too thin. Think of this like a square, and I'm borrowing this from a ministry called 3DM, uh, something that I've used over and over and over again. And you kind of think of this in phases, and then you're gonna come this way, and come down this way, and really, it's just a creative way, and I'll tell you what that means here in just a second. Creative memorization tool that they call uh, life shapes, that they call the, the learning or discipleship square. All right? But you can think of your own self. Measure yourself in these different stages, but also think if you were to pass on what you know in Christ, how could you engage someone through these three to four different little sections? And this is what I want you to see inside of it. Um, here is this phase one kind of idea and what, what you're supposed to do as a learner is just observe. Let someone else teach. So they, you do, whoever's discipling you, and I watch. Some of you are familiar with this already, yeah? I'm not brand new to this, right? Some of you all should have this or have had it in other areas. Now in this, there's usually the younger person has a lot of energy. There's usually a young disciple, like think Peter just wild and out in the middle of his, like I'm jumping out of boats right now. Okay, Peter, geez, uh, great, right? But, but you've got a lot of energy and not a lot of wisdom because then you started sinking once you jumped into it. And so think of this stage as when someone's learning, they've got a lot of excitement, but they're still learning high energy, low competency, low wisdom, low reliance on the Holy Spirit. They just haven't learned it yet. They don't know. And so just watch for now. Then that second one is you do, but I help. 
Someone's really annoyed by my use of capital and lowercase back and forth, huh? There's someone detailed out there that's really bothered by it. Uh, all right, you do an I help. Still high energy, maybe not quite as high, right? Because as you get older, you start to have some of that energy decrease inside of it. Increasing competency, increasing in some wisdom, increasing in your reliance on the Holy Spirit. Everything just starts to get a little bit larger. Then as you come down, you start to take it on. You say, I'm going to do this thing, and you are just going to assist or help me. And in here, what you're seeing is some of these things are starting to increase, though energy often is decreasing, either because you're getting used to it, or you're just running out of steam in some ways. And so I do, you help, decreasing energy, strong level of competence, strong level of wisdom now is beginning to develop common reliance on the Holy Spirit, as we've been talking about in the scriptures. And then this last one is you do an I cheer. Actually, uh, I reversed those. I was thinking like the leader. All right, so I do and you cheer. And what does that mean? That this person who is a mentor in your life now is cheering you on, excited for your growth, not competing with you for platform and authority, but actually excited for everything that you might get and even hoping that you have greater platform, greater energy, greater things than what God did in your life. You want that next generation to do even better than you, all right? That's harder than it sounds. But that's the goal, right? You do, I cheer. And so it's marked with these ideas. Very, your energy becomes, starts to become low um, uh, inside of the, the leader, right? And so you're handing this off to a next generation whose energy is higher than you. But now you trust that they have competence and they have wisdom and they have trusted. Just naturally, they operate in the Holy Spirit, okay? So here's two temptations if you're the leader trying to hand something off is that you're gonna watch your disciple go through what I call the pit. And they find themselves at the bottom of this. Maybe the reality of all the energy they had, I'm gonna do this, we got this, I'm gonna learn this skill, this trade, I'm gonna walk in Christ, I'm gonna hear from the Holy Spirit, and then they actually come to the realization that this is much harder than I thought it was. And the temptation is to get scared and just be like, you know what, I'm not very good at this, you do it and I'm just gonna help you for the rest of my life. I'm not actually gonna take any ownership of it. So you see how a disciple can quickly get discouraged. And one of the things that they tell you to do is to throw down this ladder, but not too quick. Because don't we learn from hardships? And here's the analogy. Down in this pit as they're digging, there's gold. And the trick of the leader is not to rescue them too quickly because they need to dig all of that gold out before they get out of the pit. So you kind of have to let them live in this limbo sense, uh, 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 stage. But all the while you're sending down, and here are these rungs, grace. It's okay when you mess up. Failure is not the end of you. You're gonna get through it. Vision, remember what it could be like if you succeed. You too could be as adequate, competent. You could flow in the spirit. You could do all the things that you admired in me when we started this relationship. You have given them vision over and over. You can do this. Don't give up, it's okay to fail. Don't give up, it's okay to fail. And you want to affirm somebody in those things as they're moving forward, giving them access to you, very close access to you as the leader. And if you're the disciple, your temptation is just to want to quit. The other thing that I alluded to earlier here is the temptation at the end uh, to not want to hand something off to a next generation leader. 
that as you see somebody growing, we as leaders need to be okay opening our hands and handing the keys off to them so that as the disciple is coming up, they can feel confident that you've given that to them, that you trust them, and they can move on doing those things. The temptation, I think, for the upper generation is to be the doer too long and not hand that thing off. So if we do this um, as a church, (laughs) if we attempt to uh, hold on to a spotlight or think uh, they're not quite as good as me, right? This is one of the temptations I think for larger churches that have site plants is, well, let's give them our best speaker and our best speaker is whoever that celebrity kind of tends to be. Well, why isn't that speaker making a disciple that's as good as them? Because they can't or won't usually correct and so the idea is to make disciples pass them on and if we don't do that we will kill movements of God all right so think of this in two ways some of you are leaders some of you are disciples all of us are ongoing disciples where do you need to move past this place where you just watch but you're not ever part of anything where do you need to move past this place where it's like, okay, let me get my hands through, let me get wet, let me not give up too early, let's really commit to this thing and get past this pit so that when I start doing it and you help, we eventually come here and now we've produced somebody who then again is producing more disciples so that this thing carries on. And so here's what I want to, um, I want to call us to this morning. This is all just a framework. This is all just a, a way in which you can think of your discipleship process, but, but that the ultimate thing all I really want you to do today is grow. Just grow. It's really that simple. Think in stages, think in seasons, use the tool. If the tool is confusing, come talk to me about it later. I didn't have a lot of time to flesh it out, but what I want you to see is that there's an intentional way and barriers that surface here that could stop us from our growth process. And what I want you to do is to say, nope, that's not gonna stop me. That's not gonna stop me. I'm gonna keep moving forward, looking for plateaus in your life that could develop. So take a sober look at your own life and see the fruits that are on display and ask, God, am I making these uh, things uh, true in my life? Are they coming into fruition in my life? And here are some things that can often happen. Are you taking risks in your faith because if you're not, you've plateaued? Have you been out of your comfort zone on behalf of God because if you can honestly say no, then you've plateaued? And so there's this dynamic thing that God wants us to be bought into where we have to constantly get in over our heads and trust God to make up for that gap. Shout out to Pastor Ken's sermon from last week. The gap is on purpose because we have to lean on God. This builds humility, but more than that, eventually leads to what is difficult for you now becomes the new normal. And then the new normal just is normal operating procedures that you do without thinking. And in order to grow out of that, you have to go back in over your head because that comfort is not growth. So think about these things and these ideas. Devotion, community, mission, those, those are the three pillars we always talk about. How are you doing in your devotion? How are you doing in your community? How are you doing your mission? And how are you increasing measure, in increasing measure, going deeper and further and further into that? How are you doing with your joy, your love, your hope, your patience, your faithfulness? And then to say, okay, but what's stopping me? And here's something I really felt strongly that the Holy Spirit wanted me to say to you. Man, some of you got afraid along the way. And so I want to say, take heart, have courage to step into something new, into a new phase. Have the boldness to say, I'm going to get in over my head on this next faith step and do something that maybe seems irrational to the world, 
but you're calling me to it, God. Have courage. The other one is just adjustments, right? The practical idea of our calendars don't allow us to go further because we've got too many golf swings set up between 9 and 11, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So make some adjustments, some priorities, some calendar adjustments to make room for it. Get into a community that forces you, asks you questions, tells you, come on, man, you need to grow in here. Let's, let's keep moving. And lastly, I think this is a good, um, those are push, like people that will push you to grow. Here's the pull part. Look back in your history and find a moment when you had a dramatic growth in Christ. If you can think of it right now, great. If not, think of it over this week. What was it that drew you out? If there's a certain thing that you do or maybe a certain kind of devotional or like for, for me, getting up early before my kids get up, and I mentioned this before, there's something about that time that I get my journal out, my Bible, and I grow deeply towards God in that time. And so what I need to do is now recreate that because I know it's what works for me. That may not be your thing. Maybe it's late at night. Maybe it's a different, maybe it's a podcast for you, but you caught, man, when I was listening to that, it engaged me. It got my, my attention, my affection stirred for God. Whatever that moment was in your life, Recreate it. Go back to that. Visit it because it's not going to always be the same for everyone. All right. Um, the second thing is uh, uh, grow but reproduce. And this is a second time around for this. Um, if you have a zero track record of making any disciples, you're not reproducing. And you haven't become fully mature. All right. So find someone to pour into. If you've been walking with God for years and years and years, find somebody to pour into. If you're past the toddler stage, if you're past the seedling, sapling, all these things, and you haven't made disciples, you need to make a disciple somehow, some way. Again, I can help you with that. I've got some resources, tools. I can coach you through all of that. Come talk to me, please. Um, and, and so here's the very final thing. Um, if you notice, I didn't finish all of those verses, so bring those back up because this is what it says. As I have tried to do everything in me to move you to action, to stir you, to compel you towards movement and growth, rest in this. The Father has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Who qualified you? The Father. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Beloved, Common ground, Northeast. Your salvation does not depend on any of these things. You've already got it. Do not do these things out of anxiety. Do not do these things out of obligation to check the boxes. Instead, please listen. Jesus forgave you. Jesus qualified you. Jesus rescued you. Rest in that truth. But recognize the energetic capabilities of what that can do to us when we begin operating out of that rest, because if that is true, our joy, our gratitude, our thankfulness, our undeserved and unearned favor with God has the ability to drive us to do these things, to energize us, that we do it out of joy and not obligation, that there's a holy desire and even a hunger in us that is so insatiable that we constantly move towards the kingdom of heaven. And so I wanna end today by praying for just that, to grow in our reproduction, to grow in our personal lives, to let that overflow into everything else, this is the kind of thing that feels an unstoppable movement of God's people. Amen? All right. I pushed you a little bit on the attention span. I apologize for that. Uh, let's pray together, and we'll lift up our voices one more time before we head out and take communion. Jesus, thank God, thank you for the trees. 
Because in it we see the cycles of life, we see the cycles of growth, we see the cycle of healthy reproduction, Lord. We would know exactly how it is that we are to live if the scriptures were taken from us. So Lord, would you compel us in a way that energizes us to want to fight for reproduction, for our own personal growth that overflows into raising up sons and daughters in the faith all around us. Passing on the baton, understanding that that is the ultimate mark of our maturity in Christ is who we have brought alongside of us, who we have brought up behind us, and who we are handing this thing off to. There's no greater, no greater indicator as to our fruitfulness and growth in that. So Lord, I just pray that we would, with good intentions, find a way to grow in and of uh, the things that you've given us, the resources and the scriptures, that we would know how it is that you would want us to make a decision because we've seen its likeness as we have read your book. Yes, Lord. So God, bring us along. Bring others to prod us along if we need it. Cause us to be so desiring of you that we couldn't not do these things, that we would adjust calendars, that we would adjust anything, even our own fears would be set aside so that we can accomplish the things that you've called us to do. So Lord, thank you for this. Thank you for your word. And we ask for this right now in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. Amen. amen.